0: stank uh this week's episode of our spooky movie review i i don't we still don't have a title like let's that, find yeah. something like that it's a family film uh it's a wonderful story about a a family and the, the struggles they're going with and so when i thought of like oh we're doing hereditary because all these movies i feel like with all the movies we've picked there's been like a close personal connection with everything yeah. you know like mm-hmm. um house of thousand corpses with nick I just really wanted to watch it with him. Yeah. I wanted him to watch it with uh, The Shining with Marty DeRosa. He's as much of a Shining nerd as I am. And when I think family, I think of a particular family, uh, a club, if uh, <laughs> another word you could use. Um, of course, talking about the Allen Club. And uh, if we're going to talk about the Allen Club, we have to have the patriarch of the Allen Club himself. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back, uh, Wes Allen. Wes, how are you doing? hey guys i am glad to be here thanks for having me of course man like i know it was also like i know you're a fan of this movie so i had to like again when we asked like hey what movies does everyone want to review like amongst all like the random movies that people would randomly say and we're like there's no way i'm gonna fucking sit down and watch that or or talk about that (laughs) Uh, but like hereditary is one of them and immediately i was just like oh okay so I guess Wes is coming back on to do this with us. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, because uh, like for the for those of uh, like when we first met. So w- when we first met you, it was at uh, last year's Horror House. Uh, yes. And yeah. you were actually out there already selling like uh, horror movie DVDs. And why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because yeah, I don't know when the next time that we'll be able to like throw another convention and uh, yeah, you know, do that all together. But why don't you talk a little bit about that?
1: yeah so um we were out there like so like you and i like we we had like a brief meeting at all out but it was right before you had to go on because we were there with marty and sarah um so because we ran into you and ryan and all uh the rest of the guys down in the uh the lobby area before or the uh the main entrance area before you headed back to uh partake in the show <laughs> Um, and and uh, you know, you know the unspeakable. Uh,
0: I carried I carried Hangman Page <laughs> out of the ring. You know, that's it. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. You helped you helped the hang you helped the Hangman. That's yeah. uh, that's what we'll say. I actually like that. Uh, so you had to you had to go prep to carry the Hangman out. Um, and uh, but we ended up just being in contact just through the Marty and Sarah connection. And little did we know, I was friends with Vinny that whole time. Mm-hmm. Because Vinny and I cross paths at horror conventions a lot, whether it was you know me there promoting uh, a project I worked on or was in or produced, or uh, if I was there with Vinegar Syndrome, uh, the film restoration and distribution company that uh, I go and help uh, sell their stuff at shows on occasion. And so we knew, like, you know, we'd already kind of squared away. Like, yeah, you know what? We'll be out there because our our film Powerbomb showed at Horror House. You guys said, let's do, you know, we'll have you come on the live show. And so we just sort of had that hook up there. And then, you know, I mean, Scrump, you and you and I, Cash and I, like, we all ended up spending the whole weekend together. So,
0: yeah, I specifically remember that night because... Well, when Dave, Dave and I got to do like our very first live show, yeah, it's it actually awesome. yeah, I believe this week is like the like the year anniversary.
1: Yeah. I think we're on the year anniversary, yeah,
0: give or take a, a day or two. But like Dave and I, we we were in the back doing an interview with uh, with Killer Cross, and mm-hmm. we literally like I think we said, "Oh, we're only going to do X amount of time," but there was a substantial <clears throat> amount of stuff that yeah. Killer Cross started talking about that we he,
2: he was very angry
0: he was very angry at a specific yeah. company they they made a they made an impact on his life so yes. he was they uh,
1: did they did yeah, yeah. so he was yeah. not
0: happy and like once he got him going he was just going and so we wound up just talking way long like vinny's yeah. blowing up her phone like hey what time are you guys uh-? <laughs>
2: and, and we can't tell this guy while he's in the middle of ranting like hey let's we're going to have to cut you short there.
0: Yeah, so we...
1: Well, no, no. Why would you? You yeah, know, like, yeah. you, when are you going to get that sort of fucking information? Yeah,
0: exactly. So we, like, finished that and then immediately rush on stage where uh, I think, like, one one by one, we brought you, Cash, and then uh, Zach, Zach Schilt- a yeah. friend of the show, who di- who directed Powerbomb. And And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Like, I, unfortunately, the, I had about half of the audio and then it cut off. Like, I don't know what, yeah. I don't know if it was something on my end or what, but like we recorded most of it and the audio just wasn't salvageable. So that's the last episode. Yeah. Maybe one yeah. of these days. Actually, no, I've cleared that memory card so that it, we won't ever be able to, to recover. <laughs> it. Right. Um, but yeah, like that, that night, me, you and Cash, we hung out. I I remember we went, we were just like driving around and poor Cash was just knocked out. We went and got pizza and same thing. He took a few bites out of the slice (laughs) and just fell asleep yeah in this pizza parlor uh but no it was super fun and like i think like the thing that i appreciate the most about marty and sarah and i think dave can can speak to this as well is just like every single person that they've been like oh that they just they talk about they put over or they're like hey you should talk to so-and-so always super cool yeah like yes there's yet to been one person where i'm like you know what dave
2: they were a little off yeah that
0: yeah. guy was kind of a fucking prick yeah <laughs> but no everyone's been like awesome and uh th- so i talk about uh on this on this week's episode of um the draft pod that was uh that dropped tuesday because this yeah. is coming out saturday mm-hmm. uh yeah. i have to do the math it's tuesday today guys <laughs> but uh i talked about how um your mother she's into wrestling and like i've like whenever whenever the allen club places an order for t-shirts and stuff like i'll be like let me know i'll throw in some stuff whether it's like yeah t-shirts or stickers whatever the case may be uh you had been talking about how your mom was a huge fan of uh one hiroshi tanahashi
1: (gasps) man Uh, (laughs) she's she is all in on the ace (laughs)
0: So I, I set a shirt that I had already sent to both you and cash, Yeah, uh, which is just like a, it's a cool picture. Just the ACE on there, you know, Hiroshi just displaying all, all his beautiful glory. And, yeah, uh, yeah, your, your mom being the nicest person, like she'll always be like, Oh my God, thank you so much. Cause occasionally like <laughs> I'll hear you mention like, Oh, she likes this wrestler. She likes that wrestler. Yeah. And I'll be like, all right, let me fucking send some Matt Hardy shirts her way and stuff. Uh, oh
1: yeah. Dude, she loves that. Yes.
0: <laughs> so very, very much family oriented. Like I, uh, oftentimes like when I listen to your A's's podcast, I feel like I'm just in the background, you know, like, I feel like I'm in the room yeah. with you guys just in the background as like you and cash just. As much as like that father son dynamic is there, I oftentimes just equate it to like little brother big brother. Because uh, oh yeah, it yeah. was I believe yeah. it was like a week or two ago, an episode <laughs> where like you and Ashley are talking and you're just like, oh hold on Ash, give me one sec. And you're just like, hey Cash, go fuck yourself.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> he he had been so he'd been fucking with us like, and he'll do shit where he's like, I'm gonna dive bomb the episode and like, and he'll be like a real shit about it. So like, he went into his bedroom because he knew like, he was pissing me off <laughs> and he knows what he's doing. So I just yelled down the hall, hey Cash! And he goes, what? And I go, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, like, it's not for everybody. And I'm not telling, I'm not saying, like, I know how we do things is not conventional. But we've, since our kids were born, we never did the baby talk shit. We don't hide shit from them. It's a, it's a very much like, you're a human. I'm going to talk to you like a human. And we've also given our children that platform to, like, debate their view. Here's the problem. They've both gotten really fucking good at it, and it's a really big pain in the ass now.
0: <laughs> See, that's the, that's the one thing that, like, with you and Dave both being parents, like, there's, I like, the way you guys treat your children is very much like, oh, this is how parents should should have been doing it from, like, the beginning of time and you know what like maybe there wouldn't be so many like shitheads out in the world because exactly exactly like Like, how how many times do you talk to someone and they they tell you about their upbringing and you're kind of just like oh that was a very like uh abusive relationship you you had with your for sure
1: for sure well like dave you know as well as i do like you hit a certain point with them where it's like as they get older, especially like when puberty and all that stuff sets in, like as they get older, you have this option you, you have a choice where you can you can make some of the shitty mistakes your parents did out of fear and reflex, or you can go, no, as uncomfortable as this might be, I am going to engage this person because they're a teenager now and their body's exploding and they're you know they're they're going through these extreme highs and extreme lows. And so I can either engage that, as uncomfortable as it might be, sometimes, so that further down the line they can go, okay, you know what? At yeah. the worst points in my life, my mom and dad treated me like a human and made me talk about my feelings, and that's the road we've taken. I know you have a similar approach. So I mean, it, it's just, you know you know it is, Dave. It's not easy. Yeah, to I, do mean,
2: this. I mean, you know. We're a little older but we're not so old that we don't remember what it was like to be a teenager. Exactly. And you know what it's like to have your parents say something and you're like you guys are such idiots and Yes. It's so e- it was so easy for you know previous generations to just write it off as your your kids an asshole or yell at yep. him or hit him. Um yeah, the same thing with my daughter. I'll say if if you really believe in something state your point and I'll honestly listen to it and if mm-hmm. If it's dumb i'll I'll let you know it's dumb, but like yes. we'll we'll have an honest exchange, and yeah, it, there's nothing disingenuous, and I mean, how many times when you were a kid, if your parents told you not to do something, you just went and did it anyways, like right. t- taking that little hard line stance just forces people to rebel, so yeah yeah i and, I feel it's 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 healthy to have that dialogue with your kid,
1: and having the conversation too of like. I, and I, I, think it's a more than anything, like it's this fear thing. Like I know so many people are like, oh no, 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 my kids can't watch that stuff. Y- using movies as an example, we, I, I've been involved in film, like you know, for before my kids were here, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So it's something that's in their life. I'm not going to hide art from them. If right. I can have a conversation with them about about film, and make them understand, like, no, this is this is this is what's fucked up about this. This is fake. Obviously this isn't real. Here's why it's not real. You know, my kids have seen how the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, I would rather have that conversation of like, Hey, yeah, this is why this story in this movie is fucked up rather than hiding right. something that may have potentially dark or heavy themes to it. I don't want to hide that from them. I want to engage them in it, let them see it. And like you said, like, they can state your opinion it might suck and if it sucks I'll tell you it mm-hmm. sucks but let's work through that
2: yeah otherwise and, things become forbidden fruit yes and that's where yeah. that's where a kid like that's where the wrong
1: kind of rebellion comes into play exactly where where they they go from they go from you know it's one thing to like oh, I'm, you know I got a stupid haircut and you know I got safety pins in my clothes like that shit's over like right. you can't like it's such a scattershot now because of, of social media and how fast culture is, has advanced in the last 25 years that that shit's passe. You're, no one's worried about that. Now it's it's a matter of like engaging emotional health mm-hmm. and emotional well-being because if you can't have the conversation with your child of like, look, you're being an asshole and here are the repercussions of being an asshole in the real world. I'm telling you now that you're fucking up so mm-hmm. when you're an adult, you don't do the same shitty thing and cause yourself a world of trouble.
0: Well, like how many people do we collectively know who clearly are those people are those people yeah. who yes! like do things? And it's just like, I, I don't understand. And it's like, really? No, yep. It's like you yep. you don't understand why yep. Like you're facing uh, jail time. Or why right. why the mother of your children wants nothing to do with you, or why you can't hold down a job, like
2: well, and there, exactly. There, there That's is exactly a, right. There is a fine line you have to balance too, because there, there's, uh, you know, I grew up in a very sheltered uh, mm-hmm. situation where everything was forbidden fruit, like rock music, rap music, uh, sure. going to movies. You know, and, and half those kids once they came out in the real world and were sheltered and had never seen this, went nuts and then went way overboard doing drugs and stuff. And then on the other side, you have parents that they're like, oh, well, I'll let the kid raise themselves and it's a more hands-off approach. And yeah. then the kid ends up resenting their parents. There's got to be a little bit – gi- the way I analogize yeah. it with my daughter is I'll give you a little bit of rope. And yes, it, and I it, use the same phrase. Yeah, yep. and, and as yeah. long as your grades are good, as long as you don't – you don't have bags under your eyes and and you're healthy and yep. you're, you're eating and you're showering, I'll yep. give you as much rope as you need. But the second uh, I start seeing any of those fail, I'll tighten the rope a little bit. And yes. that, that and seems I, to have worked.
1: I, you know, like with, with cash, like cash has grown up differently than his sister because cash got into film younger. Mm-hmm. And once you start, once you get into that, that realm and you start acting, you're around adults a lot more. So yeah. like, He's growing up around, you know, he's growing up around a, a variance of people and they're all some form of lunatic because that's essentially when you get, when it comes down to, when it comes down to film, like there's some of the most important people in my life I, are people that I've met in my time and working in, in movies, but they're also fucking crazy. So like, like cash has had that exposure To, you know, these different types of people. And he's learned like, hey, here's here. Here's, you know, at the end of the day, at, at someone's core, if they're if they're good and they're compassionate and they're empathetic, the rest of the shit works out as time goes on. Like you think if you think about, you know, between the three of us, we can think of each think of five, six people in our lives right now that you look at. And every day you wonder how they don't just walk out in front of a car and get hit (laughs) because they they're so fucking thick headed and so dumb at their approach to life that it's inevitable. Like you're just going to you're going to walk off the side of a building one day because you don't realize that's the edge of the that's the edge of the building and that's the sort of shit you want to help your kids avoid and the only way you're going to do that is like being honest about your feelings you know my my parents are great they're they are the best grandparents on the planet but my old man is of a generation where like talking about his feelings and emotions wasn't exactly something we did and my for my brother and i like we have a great relationship with my dad and he is he is so good to both my kids and my brother's kids but my brother and I know, like, look, we didn't have those conversations with our dad. So with our kids, we have to make sure that we do and and we we keep that emotional two way street open for them, because with Cash right now, being a teenager and being a kid who, um, you know, like being a kid who who realized, you know, within the last year or so, like, you know, I'm not that, you know, hey, my my sexuality isn't just like, you know, I'm not just Uh, a you know just a a boring ass midwest straight kid like his brain you know sexuality is fluid to him gender is fluid and and we encourage him to just be who he is if you aren't treating people like shit i don't care who you are what you are i just want you to be compassionate to other people in the world and he's picked up on that and i like to think that's because ashley and i have been able to be honest with our kids and say Hey, this is what's happening in the world. I'm not going to hide it from you. Let's talk about it. Hey, if you're being an asshole, we're going to say you're an asshole, but we're going to show you how to not be one.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, like I, it's a little different with me because unlike you guys, I have no children that I know mm-hmm. of. That I know of. There's still one kid that I'm like. If that, if it gets a little older and there's some resemblance, <laughs> we might have to sit down and have a talk. Yeah. But for now... I
1: have to go on Maury.
0: Yeah. Oh, maybe. it would be the worst. <laughs> but, like, uh, on, I, I just... I, I talk about it in general all the time. Marty DeRosa and how, like... I met him when I was 18. And yeah. the subsequent years were some of the worst. <laughs> Basically from, like, 18 to, like, 21, 22. Yes. As far as, yes. like, oh, man, like, I'm an adult now and all this shit yep. life's throwing at me. It's not fun. And Nobody yep. ever prepped me on how to like handle this stuff. And it wasn't things I could necessarily go to like my parents for. And not even yes. because I'm like, oh, I'm too cool to talk to my parents. It was just like, ah, I've seen you guys handle this with my sister. And <laughs> yours, I love you guys to death. It but didn't turn out. Well. It did not. It's turn, not going to go well. It yeah, <laughs> yeah, did not turn out well. But like, he was someone there who like very much helped me along the way. Like, just any way he could you know as far as like giving me advice and helping and like now i'm so at my job i'm no longer the youngest one when i first started there i was the youngest employee there i yeah i was like 21 about to be 22 i think now now i'm old man Berto.
2: you're an elder statesman exactly yeah you're a grizzled vet
0: (laughs) but there there's a lot of like younger people that work there with us now and like i go out of my way all the time to like I wanna influence these kids. Uh, kids, they're only in a few years. But like I wanna influence these people as much as possible. And even to like an extent with like cash where it's like, whatever, whatever knowledge I have of like life yes. that your parents can't give yes. you, I'm gonna give it to you. Probably won't listen just because again, not out of like malice, but
2: like it but it's w- it's out there.
0: Exactly. Like when we were yes. younger, how many times, how many times has someone like oh dave let me let me tell you this and they told you some yeah. advice that you wish you would have listened to that now yeah. or they were like yes yeah. buddy you're doing this all wrong you should yep. consider it. and it's just it's like that every all yeah. the time um like i remember when when cash he it was like a a year or so ago maybe like two years now when he went through like his first like breakup and oh, i remember was, i like yeah. I remember hearing how like how he's handling pretty rough. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna send this guy care package, a bunch of stuff, and like I wrote him a letter, and it was just like, listen, man, it's gonna suck. It's gonna keep fucking sucking for a yep. while because that's just that's always how like your first heartbreak yep. is. Yeah,
1: because you're you're in that that you're in the the throes of like junior high school mm-hmm. puberty. You know, y- your body and emotional state is always in flux
0: yeah, like, and your heart
1: gets broken man
0: stank and i we have we have a buddy who's he unfortunately he didn't get his first like serious serious girlfriend until later on in life and i'm like yeah oh, i'm like i wish i wish you would have been this heartbroken at 17 as opposed to like the oh, age that you man. are now because yeah it's just like yeah. oh you gotta um i it, it's just it's one of those things that you got to learn early but i mean it's it's good you know like i i always just try to that you know just don't be a yes. shitty person and just try to yeah. just try to help as much and, as you can um, and that's
1: all you can do it, and, is you you offer that wisdom like i know i love knowing that like for cash like if it's something that at first he can't come to us i love knowing there's other people in his life like uh, BJ Colangelo, his aunt BJ, who, uh, who co-wrote and co-directed, uh, Powerbomb. She is like, he can go to her with stuff first before he comes to us because it's easier for him to talk it through with her. She's, you know, she also does a lot. She does trauma counseling for, for kids. So he knows that he can go to her and she can help talk him through it. But at the end of the day, he also knows that she would come to us and say, Hey, just a heads up, here's what he's talking to me about. I know that he could go to you, Scrump. He could go to Marty and Sarah. He has these people that he can reach out to for shit that it's like, I don't want to talk to my mom and dad about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, but I also know that the people that he would, if they were genuinely concerned, would all come to us and say, hey, here's what he told me just as a heads up. Mm-hmm. And that's what people need. You, know, you need those people in your life that mm-hmm. it can't always just be mom and dad. Like, yeah, I mean, Dave, you know, as as well as I do, you want them to come to you for everything, but you know, good and goddamn well, they're not going to come
2: to you for everything. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> I, I think the theme of like what, you know, these first 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it's been that we've been talking about yeah. is that family and how yeah. important it is. And yes, been, and if
1: you don't talk, things get fucked
0: up. Yep. exactly, and <laughs> very much a family that should have been talking uh, was Ooh. this family in, in in the movie that we're here to talk about today, Hereditary. Now, what was your guys' first experience with Hereditary? Like, stank. When was did you watch it in theaters or did you wait till it came out like on uh, home video?
2: I won't lie, I did. I pirated the film while it was in theaters, but uh, so I, to be fair, like. I I wasn't sure if I would like it, mm-hmm. and Fair enough. Um, I have subsequently paid for the film, so I've amended from right pay. on. Um,
0: Can we see the receipts so <laughs> that we? <laughs> um, yeah. um, I'm just going
1: to comb through your credit card statement <laughs> real quick while you're telling this story. <laughs> so uh,
2: I watched it, and so I briefly mentioned, you know, I was raised, you know, very religious, very sheltered, mm-hmm. um, and I came from a place where you know my church would say everything. Was demonically possessed, Ninja sure. Turtles, E.T., yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, um, everything with a syncopated rhythm in music was the devil trying to get into your pants. So, <laughs> ev- everywhere we looked, the good shit. <laughs> yeah, a- anything secular was had demon possessions, hands all over it. Of course. So, um, from a very young age, you know, my uncle wasn't religious. I saw The Exorcist, and it something about it <laughs> stuck with me, and um. So watching this, I was interested to see their take on uh, demon possession. Yes, and, and so it was very interesting. And, and actually, a lot of the stuff in the movie is out there in the real world. I, I, I won't talk about like whether demon possession is real or not, but like people do believe in King Paimon, who is the oh yeah yeah demon for in the sure movie. Uh, the, yeah the, he's sim-
1: one of the the eight kings of hell yeah isn't that right he's one yeah. of the
2: goetic kings yeah yeah um the symbol they use that's very close to the actual symbol people use for Paimon. So they did a lot of research on this. Um, I think it was very interesting. And stuff like that, stuff where family's involved and, uh, you know, a certain amount of body horror, I guess, would be involved with this. Um, also true. Yeah. It's very, very interesting to me. So um, I watched the film. I loved it. Um, it's actually probably one of my favorite scary movies of all time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think this is one of those movies that upon re-watching you'll find different things uh that mm. you didn't notice before and then you'll connect certain dots that you're like oh that's very smart writing so I yeah. mean, that's my experience with the movie what about you s
1: yeah uh so ashley and i were pretty pretty like on board the second we saw the trailer so we saw it right away um and <clears throat> i Like, I mean, it is such a like it's such an explosive movie. Like it's it is so like I I like a confrontational filmmaker. And while I don't necessarily think Ari Aster is a confrontational filmmaker, I think he's influenced by those sort of guys. And by that, I mean, like I've always been a big fan of like the real lunatic maverick filmmakers. Like I I love Sergeant Suzuki and and Paul Schrader and Robert Altman. And John Waters and David Lynch and Cronenberg and the the guys that that did not give a shit about your feelings. uh, You know, you know, a more modern example would be a guy like Gaspar Noe, these filmmakers who were making their art and telling their story in a way that, like, if you're uncomfortable, that's fine. Not worried about that. I have a story to tell. And this is how I'm going to tell it to you. And I think Ari Aster, who made Hereditary, I think that's his exact mentality in making film is as uncomfortable as this is going to get throughout this story needs to be told because we've all felt that family dynamic collapsing in on us at one point or another in our lives. And the correlation between demonic possession and, you know, and demonic hauntings and families not dealing with their own demons is a really easy parallel to draw. And he did it in a way that like, I mean, if you like it, it, you you're dead inside if that movie doesn't pull something out yeah. of you I mean it is such a, there are so many abrasive moments in that movie yeah. that stick and make them like truly like it's it's not often that I truly find something scary or horrific in a movie hereditary has like three or four truly scary moments so you know we saw it at right away and we're just like this is this movie is fucking amazing and this guy's got a real future obviously we're seeing like you know with you know his follow-up being Midsummer, that he's you know that guy is here to stay but I mean it, every performance in the movie is intense and incredible and it just you know it does it, it sticks with you it's like Dave like you'd mentioned The Exorcist this is a this is similar mm-hmm. to The Exorcist in, in the sense that it's it latches onto you this yeah. stuff is going to stay with you long after you watch it
2: well I'll be I'll be honest too. After, so I brought up my religious background. I'm an atheist yeah. now, and yeah, so.
1: same. Yep, yep. I was I was raised a youth group kid, and I'm yeah. staunch atheist. I get it.
2: So, <laughs> but when I was watching it, I was like, I was super interested in King Paimon, and then I I was doing yes. research on, and then like my wife is starting to say, why are you try Why are you looking up how to summon demons? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't want to summon a demon, but I'm like I'm fascinated that like this was based in some sort of reality. Yes. And um yeah, I, to me like the remarkable thing about the movie is you know, on the surface you you got Tony Collette's character uh Annie, right? Yeah. Yeah, and she yeah. she's worried that the madness of her family is hereditary, right? Like that's kind of mm-hmm. like the thing. And yeah. um so you know, she's having problems with her son, she's having problems she had problems with her mother. Um mm-hmm. there were things with her brother. Um and she was just terrified that that was being handed down and then really yeah. the, the hereditary thing is, you know, spoiler alert, you know, we're discussing this movie, her mom was like the queen of this, you know, sect of believers.
1: Yeah, this for lack of a better term, a cult of, a cult. of sorts. Yeah,
2: and yeah. then she wanted to uh she wanted to pass on Pyman to her children and you know you end yeah. up seeing three generations at the end you see three generations of these girls with their heads severed yeah and it in a way it was hereditary you know the way this demon yeah. was passed down
1: yeah and it's it's a and it's it's easy to say it's it was a heavy-handed analogy for you know for you know the hereditary demons we pass on mm-hmm. um, but it is it was a real it's a truly like It was a truly remarkable way Mm -hmm. to to tell that. Like you don't you don't think it's very specific to talk about Paimon. Like you're not just saying the devil or just some arbitrary demon. Like you're you're specifically talking about the. I I, I believe isn't Paimon the king of mischief? Is that what?
2: Yeah. In, In I think in the movie he's referred to as the king of mischief.
1: And that that can come with like you know that can come with a certain like there's an air to that word mischief because it can be seen as like playful, and it, we're, what we're seeing is like mischief in the sense of of it being playful is not what's happening in this family, and that like so like you have that juxtaposition of that word, but finding out like Pyman is is. More than just like oh he's this silly like court gesture of hell, this is you know we find out this is one of the kings of hell,
3: yeah.
1: And he is he is a lineage in this family, and I I feel like Tony Collette's character was was doing all she could to fight that off. She wanted to stop the demons from being passed down, but ultimately those things come through the bloodline.
0: Yeah. See, I when I first saw this movie. I, I hadn't seen a trailer or anything like I nowadays, I mean, if it's like a, a franchise film, like a, an Avengers, anything like yeah. that, I'm going to see it anyway. So I'll no, watch it. Sure. I'll watch the sure. trailer. Cause I don't really care. But if I haven't specifically heard of the movie, you know, like if like you two guys are people whose opinions on film, I, I value. So if you were sure. like, Hey, there's this movie, there's a movie called asparagus. You need to watch this. Yeah. Oh my God. You need to watch asparagus. asparagus. It's so good. <laughs> I would just okay. Guess I'm gonna watch yeah. it based on that alone. Like I wouldn't go look for a, for a, a trailer or anything, because yeah. there there is something. There's something at least to me like romantic about being able to just because like, you can't really do it anymore. It's just walk into a theater, mm-hmm. say, uh, you know, what? I'll take one for asparagus. Watch it. Right. No, what the fuck you're gonna watch? Like
2: yes. Without any preconceived notion. Exactly. Like yes. Two, yes. two yes. films
0: that specifically that like stick out to me that 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 has happened to me in life it was uh one 500 days of summer me and okay. vivian my, my friend vivian vivian she listens to the podcast um we were out we were just out and about we we're fucking kids and we we're like oh sh- let's go to the movies movie theater right here it was like a small local one we're like all right mm-hmm. what's playing what the fuck is this i don't know it's the it's the only thing that's not rated r so guess we're gonna watch this sure. and watched it and was just like oh shit that was really great Yeah. Second time I remember that happening was with Mad Max Fury Road. I I knew Mad Max was a franchise. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen any of those movies, but it was myself and an ex girlfriend. We just went into we cut work and we're like, oh, we should you want to go watch this Mad Max thing? Sure, okay. And just walking out of the theaters like what Mesmerized. I was just like, Oh (laughs) man, like this is my new religion. And like very similar with hereditary, so I I I no idea what it was about i'm like all right whatever like it's an 824 film so it at least look nice you know like yeah you, you, yeah even yeah. if it's not the best it will at least look
1: it'll nice. have artistic merit if exactly
0: else. and yeah. so <laughs> like i i went into it was like a nine o'clock show on like a, a monday it was like a monday yeah. or a wednesday just the very day where nobody goes and it was myself sitting all the way up at the top and then another older asian couple all the way at the front and it was a giant auditorium this was like one of the bigger stadium seating ones not the smaller ones so i'm just like what the fuck's wrong with these guys like, <laughs> they're like right up front and yeah like you experience the movie for the first time especially if you don't know what it's about and it's just like Ugh. holy shit especially like upon second or third watch like dave you mentioned there are a lot of things where you're just like Okay, I saw that in the yeah. background. Or yeah it's just things that you don't notice. And that's one thing that really sticks out to me about specific, like if a movie has that rewatchability factor where you can watch it again and there's mm-hmm. certain things like um movies and shows. Like for instance, we've been re watching The Boys and in rewatching season one, there's so many things that like oh, yeah, like oh they're talking about Almond Joy. That's gonna mm-hmm. factor heavily in the next season. Like just random throwaway lines about certain things. Like I enjoy that because when you when you find a piece of art that you really like, you're gonna go back and watch it several times. And yeah. it is always fun to again upon the your umpteenth time watching it to be like, oh shit, you know what? I never noticed that. There's rune. another layer. I never noticed right, that specific right. rune in the background. And mm-hmm. yes, oh now it makes sense. And yeah, like I remember walking out and I was just like, "Holy shit! Like, what? Like, what was that?" And like, especially, I go into the movie, I'm like, "Oh, okay." I'm like, uh, "What's her name, Charlie?" I'm like, "Charlie's gonna be the main protagonist. We're gonna follow her." And then I stopped right nope. there. <laughs> I stopped immediately right there. Uh, and it's just, I like it. Like the the movie to me, the one thing that stuck out to me. I don't know about you guys, uh, Peter, the son. Yeah. I kept waiting for some sort of like revelation about uh, uh, Steve, the dad, not being his father because he's clearly of like, I mean, I don't know, to me, like he looks like he's of like middle, like Indian Middle Eastern descent. Mm -hmm. And Tony Collette and uh, Gabriel Byrne, who who plays Steve, the dad.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. uh, Tony Collette's Australian and Gabriel Byrne is, is he Irish?
0: I think Some so. sort of European, yeah, yeah. but like yeah. neither of them. So I, I kept waiting to like, oh, may like maybe maybe, <clears throat> like his parent, <clears throat> sorry, his parentage plays into why like Tony Collette is just like treating him like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, upon first watch for me, I was a, li- I was a little confused, and I assumed that they were a blended family that uh, she had, oh, um, she had Charlie, and then he came with his son from another marriage which like oh i we we don't see his mother so that could possibly explain his complexion i guess mm-hmm. um, Yeah. apparently that's not the case obviously but
1: no that like these they're they're uh, apparently from as far as i understand the stu-
2: you know yeah. they're
1: both birth children
2: but that i mean that goes to show uh, how well they portrayed there was a certain level of clinical coldness between every member yes. of the family and yes. so you know, to maybe even perceive that, oh, that yeah. this must not be a familial thing. I mean, that's how deeply damaged all these characters kind of were. It,
1: it, and that's that is I, I think I would think a lot of people. I hope a lot of people draw that conclusion because that that coldness. This family spends the entire film keeping each other at arm's length, mm-hmm. and that is a that's a really unique angle to take because. Even in in the most horrific moments, there is no bond
3: right
1: there is no like even with with, with the mother and the father, there's Gabriel Byrne and Tony Collette are obviously incredible performers, yeah, but those two tapped into like. Letting you know, like, yeah, we're married, yeah. but it's they're clearly they said, not like, having sex. I w- <laughs> uh, yes, yes, there's no intimacy in that yeah. house, whatsoever.
2: ever. It yes.
0: took me the first time I watched it, I was in the impression that was her father, like because one, I mean, oh wow, because one,
2: I mean, isn't that strange? The the different impressions we're all getting,
0: yeah, yes. But one, there, there's no, there's no chemistry as far as like, no, oh, no. you, know, it, yeah. I very much compare it in the way with like. You watch the Munsters and the Addams Family. You watch the Addams Family, you know Morticia and Gomez are fucking nonstop.
1: absolutely. Constantly. Fucking 24-7,
0: yeah. If if you're Lily Munster, do you really want big, goofy, fucking stupid Herman Munster like on top of you? You know, which right. excuse my crude analogy, but just
1: but they're obviously in love. They we love look each at other, it yes, and, and yeah. They love each other exactly. very much, yeah. Which is I funny agree. that
0: the Adams family is like supposed to be satirical, uh, unlike the the nuclear family, and that's why they're they love yes. each other. But I, again, first, first watch, I was in the impression that, uh, that was that Steve was the father and that P- Peter's dad wasn't around, mm. and wow. because again, they uh, they they. Do look different, and I don't know if that's a thing. Like, I haven't really looked it up. But that, that was just always the one thing that stuck out to me the most. Yeah, because even yeah. like Peter and Charlie, they, they're brother and sister. There's no, they don't look alike.
1: Yeah, no, pre- and no protectiveness. Mm-hmm. Like, right, he, like, uh, unless it's an absolute panicked emergency, which we see, and like, I to see that, like, to, to see the distance between he and his sister, and uh, like, how that how that plays out and you know, when we eventually, you know, as, as things play out for Charlie, uh, his, his response to that is one of the most interesting character pieces in the whole movie, because we don't see a full scale meltdown. Right. We don't see him break. We see him go into complete and utter shock and then shut down.
0: I don't know if it's that specific scene where like again how he treats the death of his sister is weird to me Yeah. because and I assume it's the same with you guys like I know Dave you're close with your siblings with your Mm -hmm. brother brother, and I know uh, Wes like you're close with your brother as well uh, you know me with uh, my sister more so than my my brother like I mean I'm close with my brother but it's more my sister and I were one year apart as opposed to my brother and I who are five years apart so it's it's easier but like I could not imagine. Like, oh my god! Just no. that happens, which we'll we'll talk about it. Um, there, it, er, in the movie, that he, he scene is to,
2: so, yeah, so He wanted Jesus. to go to a party, yeah. and he he lies to his yeah. mother and says, "I'm going to a school function," and then she says, "We'll take your sister with you." Yes. and he's like, "Yeah," he's like, "Fine, whatever," and then. She's in the kitchen. She has kitchen. a nut allergy. She's a, she, yeah, she has a nut allergy. She's, you know, speaking of the boys in Almond Joy, she's just wolfing down brownies with walnuts in them. Yep. And she's starting to go into like anaphylactic shock over it. Yes. Her, her throat's closing up. So he's panicking. He's like, and again, you get the impression f- from this that it's not because his sister's in danger. It's, oh shit, I'm going to get in trouble. That's yeah. the way I read yeah. it. Oh, There's
1: no compassion, yeah, yeah, other than telling her they're almost at the hospital
2: yeah, so she she's trying to get more air you know into her lungs, so she's sticking her head out and smacks right up against the light pole, decapitating yes. her, and he sits yep. there he's like white knuckling the the steering wheel and um just completely not reacting oh, uh, which was heartbreaking. It's so... Wes, yes,
0: you, yes. you posted the other day uh, Cash, Cash <laughs> and his girlfriend were experiencing this movie uh, yeah what what was it like what was it like watching their reaction? It to because I
1: it's so much better it was great to watch them watch the movie because
0: again, like first time watching this, I'm under the impression like Peter is just character B and Charlie is, is she's who we're gonna follow. You know, because yes. yes. it's just that's the way they're building. Well, it's
1: it. sold to you that way in the marketing, yeah, which was brilliant.
0: And the minute she gets decapitated, I was just like, "Well, what happened? What now? the fuck yep. is going on yep. now?" It like, flips
1: the story on its ear. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, if it, it's, yes. it's sort of like, like I pre- I can appreciate when movies and TV shows do that, where you're just like, "Oh, yeah. okay." Like, where do we go here? The, the like, a version of yeah. your expectations, exactly, because yeah. it's, yes.
2: yeah. It,
0: it, it it's how do I say it without like it, it's just it, it's refreshing because there's so much there's so much media that just follows and there's again listen there's there's nothing wrong with following a narrative if it's that's, that's worked no, no. time and time again people
1: want people want a satisfying conclusion exactly and if if you are the type of person that's looking to be challenged by film that the conventional you know conventional popcorn movies aren't going to do it for you to do it for you anyway. So, you know, you've probably already have an established MO of like, I like a certain type of movie and fucking, I, you know, I don't know. Avengers. Is not going to be that the type that cuts it for me? So like you, that, that sort of conventional storytelling, absolutely a necessity, absolutely welcome. But people do, there are plenty of people that like to be challenged by, by art and, Hereditary is one of those films that clearly from the jump is establishing it's going to challenge your your preconceived notions of how a horror movie is going to tell its story.
0: And with like Charlie being, you know, cut out of the film so early yeah. and like when you see her decapitated head like it's just so fucked up like what what was cash and his girlfriend's reaction to that? So
1: <laughs> So I they're sitting on our sectional And, uh, I'm sitting in a chair, like kind of like adjacent to them and, uh, they're watching and what's funny is you watch it after you watch it a few times, you realize like he told you up front something was going to happen because as they're driving to the party, there's a, there's a shot that go goes stationary and it stops. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, it's just of the telephone pole. And it has that marking on it, yeah. and it's it's a very brief moment, but it's him telling you like, this, this is, is important. Well, this is, is
0: important. Isn't she playing with like a decapitated bird?
1: Yes, at a certain yes. point so as well. She, yes, because she cuts that pigeon's head off. Mm-hmm. They're telling you all of this stuff before you even get to that moment. Yeah. So I know that they don't know that, and I so they're watching, and that scene, and the sound, and how the whole thing plays out is so abrupt yeah. and they both, like, I look over and her eyes are, like, as big as dinner plates and she has her hand over her mouth (laughs) and, like, they were both just like, they they gasped as you do when you see it for the first time because it does, like, you don't that's not what you go in thinking is going to happen to that little girl
2: well, and also, that's like a nice in in my opinion, it's like a nice flip on um so I think famously Alfred Hitchcock said you know the way you build tension is you have two characters and you let the audience know there's a bomb under the table and they've got like a certain amount of minutes and the characters don't know and you're sitting there Oh hold on. Yep, I'm yep. still here. Oh. So you're sitting there and the longer you can stretch that scene out the the longer the tension is and they kind of play yes. on that subliminally they show you the pole they show the they girl do. she's not well right now, and then you see the, yep. you know, you see the brother driving, but instead of stretching yep. it out long, they just smash you into it as fast as possible. Yes, and it's yep. so jarring it, it's, it, compared to what you're used to, you know.
1: Yes, um, I don't know if you guys have you guys ever seen the movie Irreversible?
2: Um, who's in it?
1: Uh, A Vincent Ca- yes, and Vincent Castle, yes. I, I haven't seen um, in
2: the whole movie though. No.
1: So that's Gaspar Noé, and he he's one of my favorite he's one of my favorite filmmakers at this point ever. Like I he's every time he puts a movie out, I'm like constantly inspired by how aggressively he tells a story. And there's a, the first like the first opening scene of scenes of the movie are this like kind of like nauseating whirlwind that stops on this super abrupt scene where a guy gets his head caved in by a fire hydrant. And it's so like it, it's so assaulting on the senses. Mm -hmm. And that's the last time, the last time I remember having that feeling prior to hereditary was seeing irreversible for the first time. And that, you know, like you said, like using that Hitchcock thing, but then like a hard hard yeah. slam on the brakes is not something the audience was anticipating and then that moment we don't think about it till after the fact that moment changes
2: the course of the entire movie yeah
1: her death is the cha- is where everything unravels
2: yeah. well it, it's like a, imagine you're at the base of the roller coaster and it's just starting to go up and you're like oh man and you're starting to get scared and then the it just yes. collapses Yes. it's got to be the most terrifying thing ever
1: Oh yeah yeah well, I, and that's what makes this movie so horrific is it, it's not it's not a slasher hunting hunting right. co-eds in the woods this is this is dealing with mortality on the familial level yeah. that's the most horrific terrifying thing we, we we approach on a day-to-day basis. We are all intrinsically worried in the backs of our minds about our family members mm-hmm. or ourselves dying all the time.
0: I th- think with Ari Aster where he taps in as a director is like like you mentioned the death of your family because yes. you look at his his follow up to this in midsummer and oh, that movie which
1: is my wife's like oh, oh. I mean she lives and dies by that movie. Yeah. She loves that
0: movie. Like if you think about that movie it is at, at its core it is about a woman who loses her family and then finds a new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And in both it's like like it very much there are certain things that happen where you're just like well where the fuck are they gonna go now because yes like, right that just happened you know a man just jump off of a cliff and fucking kill them, like right <sighs> in front of and very much with this where you see charlie gets decapitated and it's like wow
2: <sighs> wow um
1: uh, and then to have the balls to cut back to her head in yeah. daylight
2: i mean it's literally like, breathtaking
1: It is. It is so. Like it's such a gutsy fucking decision to make. Of like, not only did we do this, we're gonna show you the insides of of this whole thing in broad daylight, in the sun, so you can see the after effects of what happened.
2: Sit in it. It's so fucked, man.
0: (laughs) I doubt that at almost like an hour in, anyone who hasn't seen the movie has is like still listening because they're <laughs> yeah. because there's a yeah. lot of a lot that we've been talking about but i mean just like really really quickly the way you know the, the movie it's um annie's mom dies uh and she meets a woman named joan who's kind of like helping her with like grief counseling yeah. as sorts because yeah. she mentions you know there was there's trauma in the family and you know it's
2: yeah. um and it's very clear early on; she's very resentful yes. of her mother. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. And, and From the jump, you and can she's see al- it. Yeah. She's also shocked that so many people would show up to someone like her mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. She's like she yes. says, "I don't recognize any of you." And it's
0: almost yes. and it's almost like at least with me, I wonder at first is like is, is she resentful of the son because of his relationship with her mother? Because. Mm-hmm uh there you know he there is a very specific reason why the mother was so close to the son and yeah. uh yeah so she's kind of dealing with that and i mean i, I don't really i mean should we really just go it, through it, the whole thing i mean it's like well, well, he point. what
1: when you go when you go into like when you see how much stuff ari aster fed you before the conclusion of right. the movie um like all the attendees of her mother's funeral uh, her mother's connection to like the 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 grandmother's connection to the the dot the baby the little mm-hmm. girl and how it was upsetting to the mother that like she just she kept taking you insisted on holding you all, all yeah. the time and like you see them you see all the connective tissue he's giving you and then uh is it Joan or Joanne or Joan, Joan uh, the Joan, Joan who's the who's the grief counselor and then reappears after the death of charlie um all of these pieces that start being connected for you as the family continues to spiral out of control is like that you have all of this happening at the same time and then at the end of the day to 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 really see like peter's whole he had a predestined path Mm -hmm. that he he did you know they fought it as long as they could but at the end of the day his path was to take the throne as as
2: paimon yeah so like and like, to, to me like um you know berta was like should we just go through the film it's this is one of those movies that's really hard especially since a lot of the yes. bre- a lot of the breadcrumbs were laid out it's hard to yeah. go through and say then this happened cuz then you almost have to say but if you notice and you, yes. you, if you were to explain it to someone that hadn't seen it, you would almost be spoiling yeah. it as you go. And they're like, oh, I see what's happening. But... Yep. yep. I,
0: th- I think we'd be remiss, though, if we don't talk about... Yeah. The, the one scene that... Like, listen, the fact that Tony Collette did not get nominated for an Oscar. Yeah.
1: That, man, like the... That's fuck crazy. For, <laughs> the, it's absurd. She put out... who Who that year was better than her. Who conveyed raw emotion better than her? I don't I don't, remember
0: I don't even know who one it was probably like a Glenn Close or someone, you know, for some Right,
2: yeah. for like, some Oscar Beatty movie. Like simultaneously yes. she was you know, at points in the movie despicable, loathsome. Yes. Uh yes. You, felt sorry, you, 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 you felt sad, you felt sorry for her. For her. Yeah. Um yep. There were moments of true joy that she showed, you know, in yes. discovering some of this stuff, and then, you know, evil incarnate at some points in the movie, and the fact that she, and a lot of times, switching between these almost in the same scene, mm-hmm. yeah, and and, yeah. and not coming off as contrived. Uh, I've never been really the biggest Tony Collette fan, but this movie really sold me on her. See,
0: I, sure, sure. I like Tony Collette like I just recently so I. saw I, I, um, I'm a big fan of hers was it her and Greg Kinnear, Little Miss Sunshine oh yeah oh god you know, and like that movie is really good I, I like her in that but the scene the scene that we're talking about it's of course the one where Annie played by Tony Collette and Peter it's they're they're just fucking yelling at each other they're going to have
1: perform her- that relationship <laughs> those two are so fucking good mm-hmm, together
0: mm-hmm and she gives her, you know, the, like, I'm your mother speech, which Effie did a Vimeo or did a, is, no, it is not that Vimeo? What's the cameo? cameo? He cameo? did a cameo in which he did that speech so fucking yeah. good. Like, I it, <laughs> I love him for that. But that's, like, it, it shows just the range of her as You mentioned, Dave, there's there's very, there's so many different characters mm-hmm. that she's playing. She yes. has to almost, like, switch on a dime at a certain point. And, very, very oh, powerful. Multiple scene. times
1: in the movie, yeah.
0: Very, very it, powerful to me. Like that's the one thing that, aside from the decapitation, obviously, it's like the one thing that you leave the movie talking about. Like, how about that fucking scene? Like,
2: well, yeah, like when she, when she's at the at the dinner table, scream, motherfucker, screaming oh. at Peter after the death of of Charlie. Yep, and she's saying she's saying things, and you're thinking like you know. Coming from a parent's perspective, it's like, wow, how could you say that? But like, I guarantee yeah. you, there have been situations where that's happened, where a sibling has hurt or been the reason of the, of the death of another sibling, and absolutely, these thoughts have had to have gone through some parents' heads. I mm-hmm. want to grieve, but I can't because you're such an asshole. You know, and it's yep, you know, she's sort of divorcing yourself from the parent role, and like, I I just want to be a person. I want to I want to grieve. I can't. I don't have time to nurture you because you're being a shithead right now. And right, right. It's all these raw things that have gone through everyone's minds, I guess, in these sort of situations. And she's saying it, and it's, it's, it. Again, it's one of those things like, oh, how is this being verbalized? Like, and and and, so and, the, well.
1: and the fact that they and what it came down to is like they didn't. They didn't. They never addressed it. From the from the moment the grandmother died up until the moment where they explode at the dinner table, they addressed none of their grief. Mm-hmm. They addressed none of the trauma that this family was going through. And that's what's gonna happen. It's going to reach that pinnacle moment where we either grieve and pull together or we set each other we set each other on fire with our words. And you what you see is this is a broken family mm-hmm. who doesn't deal with its broken pieces. Here's the results. And to to see I think that one of the best elements of the movie is the fact that if you take all the gore and violence and horror movie stuff out of it, it plays like a really deep like an intent like a like a mammoth play. Mm-hmm. You know, it it plays like a stage play with the way these characters are are interacting with each other. And horror movies rarely do that but when you have, when you're telling the story from a, a family's perspective, you've got a lot more room to work with in terms of tapping into the emotional pain and trauma that that is being a family.
0: I think that's one of the things that works in its favor. It's like how unconventional it is because yeah, if some, like if someone is to say like, you know what, I'm not really a horror fan. Like I don't really like horror movies. Yeah. To me, that's, that's, that's like saying I don't like music. Because it's like, well,
2: oh sure, yeah. It's like, yeah. well, you, you might not like some music. You might
0: not like some music, yeah. but there's right. there is music that you like. You it's know, got to like, be something you like. Like I, I can very much watch something like this that I would. I, I mean, what do you guys say? It's more psychological.
2: More, I mean, more, there's more, more, gore more, in it. More, there, there's a lot of gore, I, a lot of body. Horror there is, stuff. but I mean,
0: it's yeah. more. It's more story driven. I guess yeah. now, that's what I'm saying. It's it more story driven. Oh
1: yes, it's character driven. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. As, as it's opposed. Jump scare.
0: As opposed yes. to if I just want to, if I just want to put on a a Jeepers Creepers to right. and just sure. watch some kids get fucked with, yep, you know, yep.
1: and yeah, there's plenty of Jasons and Michael's and Freddys to do that for yep.
0: you. Yeah, and this movie, yep. it it's not really that, you know. Huh. So I, I feel like for the, for those who who again are just like ah, oh, horror's not really my thing. I feel like again I'm from the aside from like the capitation and the, there's yep. the gory scenes and stuff, people getting set on fire. Like I, I <laughs> very
1: cutting their own head off. Yeah. Exactly.
0: I very much yeah, feel no that
1: that, this, Boy, is, that the sound in that,
0: that this is a movie that you could, you could like sit down and watch that. And again, those minor bumps in the road where you're just like, uh, I don't want to look at the screen. Yep. You could yep. appreciate it because yeah. like, even yes. with, even with Midsummer when I, when I watch that, like there are some, really fucked up perverse scenes in that Mm -hmm. but even if like if you just take all those out like it's still and i feel the same thing with this it's still really beautifully it's like a beautiful shot movie the story this is a story that you can relate to because Mm -hmm. even the most perfect family still has their drama yeah like yes and whether and you, you kind of put yourself like in those shoes where it's like well how, how would I deal with that? How would I deal with it if my mother just resented me mm-hmm. because she doesn't want me to have, like, the same fucked up psychological mm-hmm. trauma that she has. And yep. in turn, by resenting me from doing that, I'm going to develop some mm-hmm. of that same psychological trauma. And it's yeah. and even if you, like, I guess, like, you look at it from your guys' view, it's like you guys want to do everything in your power to not fuck up your kid. Right. Yeah. But Tony Collette like the character of Annie, I don't think she's in the right mind of like state of mind to be raising any kids. Like
1: at the end of the day she shouldn't have been a mother.
0: No. Right. No. And definitely.
1: when she said when she's explaining that, that whole scene where she's saying I never wanted to be your mother. Right. I think that's the arc of her character. She never wanted to be a mother. Period.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well and you can see that in the scenes where, you know, she deals with her own trauma in a which we haven't really mentioned which is kind of surprising is uh yeah she retreats to her little workspace and she makes mm-hmm. you know life-like dioramas of moments in time and, and like that's kind of how she she does it with the crash um yeah. she does it with scenes of her mother oh. and stuff and yeah. but it's it's divorced from the rest of the family she's in her own little mm-hmm. insular bubble and I'm not even yep. sure that that's helping her She's just no. sitting there staring at it, but you know, for th- yep. her, this is how she's working it out. Yeah. B- but I can imagine she's been doing this since those kids were little. For sure. You Absolutely. I mean? Yeah. Like how yeah, many dioramas are there? Exactly. Yeah. There's.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And and they do and and they are able to explain that away because we see that she's clearly an artist mm-hmm. who's working on an exhibit. But this is what we see unfold: is like their whole life is. Is fodder for her dioramas yeah. so we keep what going up and watching her living in the past yeah. and that's that's all those dioramas are her living in her past never dealing with it just waiting in the misery of all the trauma this family's
2: experience well, and many of those scenes are unnerving when you see them on screen yes. because it's playing with like oh is this it, is that really her mother standing in the doorway in her nightgown? And then it's like, oh, right. clearly it's not. But like you're seeing it, and like just the framing of it is just almost horrifying in the way that you're yep. looking at it. I feel yeah. I feel bad
0: for the character of Annie as well too, because like, yeah, absolutely. even like with her marriage, her husband, Ugh. you know, Steve very much reminded me of uh, the dad from Stranger Things, who like there's all this shit going on around like your son is Mm -hmm. befriended one of the X-Men and your wife is trying to fuck this like 17 year old. There's just all this stuff going on. And he is just, he's Al Bundy. He's just sitting on the couch. Does not give a fuck. And like, imagine like, like this, this person who has all this trauma, who needs someone to help her, to help her get through this, needs a partner. Yeah
2: doesn't have that she just just up in the study yeah
0: Yeah. she just has someone that she married and like
2: so i have a theory on steve okay so
1: my theory is that he is doing more than we see but because annie is so detached and is unraveling steve is trying to balance the balls of keeping the house and the 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 life you know the the bills being paid Mm. the you know that the Food on the table. We are, I feel like what we aren't seeing is Steve is doing a lot of uh, the grunt work behind the scenes because Annie is not there. She's not connected.
2: And and you see that in his relationship with Peter. Yes. Peter clearly loves his dad. And like, yeah, you can see his dad's like, yeah, well, your your mom's not doing so well right now. And, you know, things like that. And, um, you can see him siding with his dad. So clearly his dad's not being an aggressor or, um, that's the other problem. Him.
1: He's milk toast. Yeah. yeah. Like to, to your point, scrump, like he's not, he's not being a partner, right? He's not. Cause part of being a partner sometimes is Dave, you know, this you're married long enough. Mm-hmm. There's going to come, a fight is going to come up that it's, it's going to be like, no, we are dealing with this now. We're talking about it right now. We're mm-hmm. not going to fucking wait. We got to deal with it; otherwise, it's just going to hang in the air, and everybody's going to feel weird. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and that that goes that's what he leaves hanging.
2: Yeah, well, that goes to the parenting style too. Yeah, we'll talk it out. If I think your idea is stupid, I'll say it. But you know, we yep. trust each other enough to have that. Yes, that exchange of ideas. And a lot of times, yeah. you'll see, you know, it, it may be a little heightened in movies or whatever. But sure, you know, the the guy will be like, "What? Okay, you're right, honey. I'm sorry." And there's no discussion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The resentment never goes down. It's just right. the fight's over. yeah. And clearly yep. these people have been doing that for a while in this movie.
1: Yes. Yes. They are they are long like they they are long on paths going in the opposite direction. Yeah. That's that's apparent. Yeah.
0: So on like second or third, you know, rewatches, what are some of the things that you guys notice like that like I I, I remember seeing a thing where they're like, uh the the rug in front of like the welcome man in front of Joan's house is very similar yep. to like mm-hmm. the the pattern that her mom sews and then again there's like runes these like symbols kind of just scattered throughout the film like i wasn't yes. aware of the one on the the pole mm-hmm. but like yeah. what are some of the, what are some of the things that you guys notice upon like second third rewatch
1: the the man standing in the doorway <laughs> the naked old man standing in the frame of the doorway uh, which in and of itself is like what the fuck <laughs> uh but he is also one of the cult members
2: mm-hmm. yeah he was at the funeral and he smiled yeah. at charlie like real creepy yes. like hey. that was, yeah 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 was really creepy
1: and and to watch him pop up throughout the movie like because i'm watching that going uh i feel like that the mark my mark Maron in in her monologue is like what the fuck is that guy's deal? Yeah. Like, that is what that guy represents in the in, in Hereditary yeah. to me.
2: Um, uh, th- there's actually a lot of stuff to be honest with. Yes, me. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, one of the things I noticed uh, early on is, um, and so I I think another a couple of people online noticed this when they're coming back from the funeral. There's people yeah. in the house running. You can hear it. Yep. They're, they're, I was going to say that. <laughs> they're running through... You can hear feet footprints in the attic before they open the door. Yep. So the cult members were in the house doing something. I'm assuming they were drawing that triangle at the I, foot that, of the bed. Or I can't... So, I, I don't remember if that was there all the time. They were so I,
1: know, I noticed that sound. That was one thing I made a note of, was the people... You can hear people in the house. Yeah. So... I then, of course, did the same thing you probably did I started looking it up online yeah and that was everybody's conclusion was the same that they were staging things upstairs
3: yeah. yeah
1: they were they were that's where the body ends up there and uh they were staging everything upstairs for you know presumably the arrival of paymon yeah
0: that's what i i did not i wasn't
2: aware go, of that go
1: make a li- yeah, go back and watch that
2: scene. This is this is one of those movies too like almost every time I've I've probably seen it maybe 4 or 5 times yeah, now. Yeah, yep. I do notice something that I didn't see yep uh before or here's another one um uh Peter goes up in the attic, closes the door and somehow she gets up there. If yep. you look, there's cult members in the attic. Yes. What? Standing yep. in the shadows yeah. naked. They're standing in the shadows. They yeah. were the ones that let his mom up. Yep. Like, they're, yeah,
1: if you go, you go back and look, you'll see them yeah, there. They're, uh-huh. they're standing behind him in the shadows. And yeah. They're, it's they're white, like, it's not their silhouette. I don't, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Dave, you might be better explaining because you're a graphics guy. <laughs>
2: they, they have like, a ghostly, what is that? They have a ghostly pallor to their skin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah there you go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. There, and actually there, there's a lot of, in the movie, there's a lot of, instances where if you dial up the contrast and the brightness you'll see yeah. things that and, and I'm, I'm a, I love when you find out that there's things hidden to, yeah. you know, to your Little consciousness that, yep. that add to your subconscious fear or your feeling of disgust or, or loathing and mm-hmm. you did this very well like uh, uh, Peter's sleeping in his bed and he wakes up and his mom you know Annie is up in the corner like Spider-Man and you oh. and then she skitters away and it's like oh, holy shit <laughs>
1: when when that when that happened Cash and his girlfriend both went what the fuck yeah. Yeah. It, it's the audible like whoa jesus christ what is that hey yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I i might have to go rewatch it again now yeah cuz it I'm is i'm
1: telling you dude and, go back and watch and it and it is fun
0: like it's definitely
1: it is a fun movie. It's yeah. fucked up. Yeah. Like, fucked up movies are fun. Specific, to watch.
0: Specifically like uh, I you know when you get to that and there's all these old naked people mm-hmm. and yeah, like yeah. the look on it. like Peter has no idea what the fuck is going on and like, yeah. it, the like it's
1: almost He's literally clueless the entire movie yeah. that this is all about his fate. Yeah.
0: And it's very much one of those movies where I'm like if you made a sequel, yeah, it's like I gotta know what's going on because it's very like a lot of times when you're watching like a movie like that, it's like, what the fuck would I do? Like, yeah. what would you do in that situation? Like, what do you? Yeah, like clearly these people are these people are gonna keep a bird's eye watch on you yeah, twenty four seven.
1: You, right, you're one of the kings of hell. Yeah, mm-hmm. like what? Like what do you do with that? What do you do with that fate?
2: Well, it's. Well so speaking of that too when he jumps out and really? lands um I don't know if we're supposed to infer this but like he dies. Yes. You see a shadow yeah. coming out of his body and then you see the light of Paimon going like going into his butt. Yep. Yep. So so when he when he wakes up and goes up into the treehouse he is now King Paimon. Right. And and right. maybe yep. he's, he seems a little disoriented and you know they're like this is okay mm-hmm. this is a good thing. Uh, Yeah,
1: because they're explaining, they explained to him that this is, you know, they got rid of that woman's body. Yeah. For him. Yeah. And I, I, so a couple things too, and I don't know, uh, this one, this one, I don't know for certain. I saw a lot of talk online, but the, the, the doormat out in front of Joanne's apartment Mm
3: -hmm.
1: apparently is some sort of nod to the Midsummer world. Um, and the only, like, and this is, this all seems to be speculation of stoners online as far as I can tell, but, um, uh, which is fine because, you know, like <laughs> I'm a stoner. So I'm like, yeah, man. Uh, but the, the, what they're saying is like, that is like, if you look at the stitching and then look back on uh, lots of the. Lots of the imagery in Midsummer, it's kind of like a, a, a call up. call to. Yes. Um and then the stuff the ascending into the playhouse thing, yeah. the tree house, that was used a lot in like if if you go back, this is super weird, bear with me. But if you find like Indonesian horror films from the seventies, there's a lot of storytelling in Indonesian films like that. I think that's that's a, a an element of their ghost storytelling, uh, is is that ascension thing. Yeah
0: well there's very like we we've talked about midsummer a little bit but there are a lot of similarities with both these films and yeah if you almost like if you were to tell me like oh both these films are connected they're connected (laughs) they're in the same universe yeah (laughs) yeah 100% 100% because of like there's the whole cult thing like in the first one you know it's it's more subtle but in the second one it's a full-blown cult yeah like
1: yeah on yeah. this
0: compound you know with like their leaders and stuff and
1: yep i would it, I would. it's the same way with uh you know one of his contemporary you know it would be one of ari aster's peers uh robert eggers who made the witch mm-hmm. and the lighthouse mm-hmm. like if you tell me that those movies are connected it does make sense to yeah. me
0: well, this one it's also very similar to the witch. Which I I want to I want to rewatch. Yeah, I, I saw yeah. it the I saw it the first time, and I, I mean, aside from funny feelings of Anna Joy Taylor, uh, yeah. Anna <laughs> Taylor Joy, yeah. you know, Anna
1: Taylor Joy, Anna yeah.
0: Taylor Joy, yeah. I was just like, what, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> you know, and it, yeah, and it's also like like yeah, you I can very you can very much tell that they're that they've worked together because of that because it's yeah the storytelling is almost very similar and they're also both films about like families that are grieving and ultimately you yes. have like I mean I think it's just straight up the devil you know black philip in in, of the, course, in yeah, the witch that's Satan. that yeah that yeah that shows up at the end but mm-hmm. like I'm I'm for it man like again I didn't really grow up religious like my parents were religious but at a very early age I was just like, what is this bullshit? And then I was exposed to George Carlin, and I was just like, (laughs) oh, sorry Sicilian, Alberto, I am not, like I I did my first communion based solely on the fact that I was like, Dad, I really want a PSP. And he was just like, I'm not gonna buy you one, but if you do your first communion, they'll give you money, and you can go buy your own. And I was just like, in my head, I was like, People are gonna give me two hundred dollars and it blew my mind. The fact like I remember getting like the the money or whatever and just holding on to it for like a week because I was just like, <laughs> I'm so rich. I've got two hundred dollars, like I could buy I could buy a house. You know, like in my whatever yeah. I think I was like twelve or something. Um I always joke that
1: my path to atheism it well it's not a joke, but it's reality, but like My, I always say that my path, because I like, like my parents weren't like, I didn't live in like an oppressive home. Like you know, my parents, we went to church, we were, you know, we went to youth group and all that, but like they weren't shoving it down our throats. But it was still, youth group culture is a really creepy thing Mm. to begin with, and that's a whole other issue on in and of itself. But I always say that my path to atheism (laughs) was. Was uh, severe depression and a suicide attempt in my early twenties. Fugazi records, John Waters movies, and reading William Burroughs, <laughs> and that was like my. There you go. You know, so like when you say Carlin, that makes sense to me. Oh like, yeah,
0: there's so it, there's there's so much. When I so my first tattoo that I got at 15 going on 16 because I was a fucking cool. I was a <laughs> pretty badass. I I feel so bad. I always apologize to my mother. I, I believe I've told the story, but like. I so desperately wanted tattoos. My uncle had tattoos. My cousin, who is basically like my second mother, she had tattoos, yeah. and I was like, I really want a tattoo. And I remember telling, like, I was like, Sandra, like, you know, do you know somewhere I could get tattooed? And she was like, One of my buddies has a shop. Like, let me talk to him. He might be able to do it. And I remember going up to my parents. I was like, Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be 16. I was like, and I really want a tattoo. And yeah, San- I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get a tattoo.
2: I'm letting you know.
0: I'm letting you know, which like, oh my God, like my parents weren't, you know, like they were not like, we're going to beat the fucking shit out of you, but they should have beat the shit out of me for just, you know, I was just like, I'm telling you. I'm There's no th-
1: 16 year old making a, a wise decision. On exactly.
0: Like and I was like, listen, I was like, I'm either going to do it the right way with Sandra. I was like, or the wrong way and it'll probably get infected and I'll, like, I'll lose an arm or something. And they were just like, yeah, as long as you're paying for it and you're going to do it safe, just like go ahead you know to they town. can't stop me but my first tattoo was between george carlin or frank the demonic rabbit the time traveling sure. rabbit from yeah. donnie darko sure. and the tattoo artist i literally i i, I told him i was like which would you prefer and he was like let's do let's do frank he goes that one i've never done that before i was like all right cool mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean obviously carlin had a big influence on me but so as, as yes. we just sort of wind down here I, i think it's safe to say like we would all highly recommend this like oh yeah yeah like it's we're all huge fans of it and again like it's one of those movies where i i saw it the one time that it came out and then a second time like like on a date i think um yeah and it's it has a rewatchability factor Mm -hmm. you know i agree yes it's and i i
1: i want to like if i can i want to recommend a couple movies to people
3: yeah that if they
1: they're listening and they like hereditary Family trauma horror is like like there's some really good shit out there. So number one, uh, a movie called Possession. Um, uh, uh, another movie, um, a lot of people know uh, Bong Joon-ho uh, who made Parasite. Mm-hmm. Uh, his movie Mother, I recommend. And uh, another movie called Don't Look Now. Uh, those those three movies specifically. If you're into that like family trauma that you know becomes a horror movie, those are some movies I would recommend to people. Any of Bong Joon Ho's movies actually, yeah. it's fami- it's familial horror stuff. But along with that, possession and. Uh, uh don't look now or are, are two other movies See, there's that so are many family trauma
0: horror. there's been so many like possession movies that i I, yeah. I i honestly like I'd gotten tired of the trope, especially with was like those paranormal activity ones, which was just like ugh. like yeah. it, th- those to me were like were what th- th- those were two like horror movie franchises what like the fast and the furious franchises yes. to like Bros you know um yes, but yeah, like
1: possession. The movie Possession, mm-hmm. uh, it came out in 1981 uh, and it is, has the, like, one of the most fucked up visceral possession scenes you will ever see in all of film. No. To the point where the actress was, like, long after affected by her own performance.
2: Jesus. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's a. Fucked up movie. (laughs) For for me, you know, I'll pretty much echo all the sentiments that you guys said. Um, I find, yes, the movie's very rewatchable. It's also, you know, at least on the first watching, it's very draining. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's very, it's a very oppressive. Like you're hit with these emotions that, like, normally you go watch movies to maybe escape. Yes. Um, but they hit you with it head on in a, you know, in a remarkably tasteful way. I think. It is, yeah. Um, w- one of the movies, I haven't, I haven't had too many people, or too many movies make me feel the way that dinner scene made me feel. Ooh, uh yeah. I will say one of them was Marriage Story, mm-hmm. you know, where he's just, I hate you, sometimes I wish you were just, th- <sighs> you know, just saying the the raw things that <sighs> we just probably shouldn't say, but like, mm-hmm. it was probably so cathartic in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah. there's few movies that can reach that level of maybe sincerity I guess Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I mean you you definitely benefit from several viewings of this movie Um, and then that's where it starts to get fun noticing like the little trails and like in the details like she's opening Mm -hmm. her mother's book and you're like oh I see that person and oh here's an article from a, a goetic book about Paimon and then you see like there's a can of like tea leaves which is used to you know Tony Collette's drinking the tea from and you know all these little like really deftly placed breadcrumbs and clues um and yeah mm-hmm. you'll definitely start picking these up and you start to appreciate the story even more than you did on on your first viewing it, it's definitely not a cookie cutter uh scary movie and that's what i no. there, there was care there was uh precision and great acting and like you can't go wrong with any of those
0: two things that you said dave stick out to me is one is uh i'm no stranger to letting people know how how big a fan of the uh children's anime franchise digimon that i am in (laughs) one i believe it's in the first season one of the first or second season there is a villain named piedmon who is uh like it's coming to me now who is he's like a clown of course like a clown a trickster joker and that that literally just as you kept you were just like you were like Paimon, Paimon, and i I looked over at like my digimon fungo pops and i was like oh Oh. that piece of shit clown who was torturing these (laughs) poor kids that makes total sense but another thing is you talk about like emotionally draining movies there's Mm -hmm. i am i am a whore for those movies like i I, I love you out like have you guys have you guys ever seen the movie moon with Sam Rockwell. No. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's, it, it's, I don't, I'm going to spoil it. I'm sorry. I'm going to spoil the movie moon. If anyone's listening, then uh, whatever, I'm going to spoil it. So the whole, the whole premise of this movie is Sam Rockwell is on this lunar base where they're mining or whatever. And it's just, they show you his daily, he's going, he's, he's living <sighs> his life. At one point he goes too far away into like the dark side of the moon. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. through a series of events, he, he finds out that, He's a clone. That he called like he calls home, expecting to talk to his daughter, and she's like a full-grown woman. And I believe Wes, if I'm wrong, like he's like the original version of him is also there. Yes. And it's just like it's. That's how
1: I read it, at least. Yeah. Yeah,
0: the original version of him is there. It's kind of like uh, like who's calling, honey? And he's it's just like it's fucked up, and this whole facility is like made structure so that he can't escape and whenever he because he, he's sick throughout the whole movie so occasionally you get sick and you go into this like healing chamber and it's mm-hmm. presumably you just get like incinerated or something mm-hmm. and like ultimately he he gets away and like lands on earth or whatever the case is but just that like at the end of the movie i was just like what the fuck like that's so sad this man's been yes trap this you know these clones have been living this life this cycle and i don't know it was just very emotionally draining but you also talk about like marriage story and that was a movie too where it's it's always funny the way people interpret it like i both of you guys are fully aware of uh of my last ex-girlfriend we'll, we'll call her lucy of lucy and <laughs> how uh Wonderful communication was in that relationship, and how uh, mature and understanding it was. Uh, but there's a um, the
1: mutual understanding. Mutual
0: understanding. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I remember not wanting to watch that movie right away because I was like, "Oh, I'm like it's too raw." I'm like, I know, but I, I, I'm very much a fan of Adam Driver and scar and Scarlett Johansson as well. Yeah. So I was like, "Fuck it, let me watch it." The day after I watch it, I get a text message from said from lucy Lucy, and it's just like it's like marriage story and then a timestamp of uh like a specific scene it's the scene at the end where like uh he's reading it's one she's reading the note that he wrote like years ago or whatever and like in my head all i could think of was like oh you didn't understand the message of this movie at all was it that like they were gaslighting each other Mm -hmm. and this was very (laughs) like toxic and so." but yep Again, it, it just it goes to show that like movies can ha- like movies have different meanings, but like movies that often leave you like very like emotionally like stunned at the end where you're like what the fuck? Like doesn't always have that effect for people. Like right. I I'm pretty sure there's some people who will watch Hereditary and just be like, "Man, that was so crazy, right? It's yeah, fucked up." And yep. you and you try to talk yep. to them about like 100% they will. Yep. And you try to talk to them about like, "Oh, the 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 trauma, the the hereditary, yeah, the, you double, know,
2: the double meaning, and yeah. it's just yes. like, oh yeah, but that was cool. But also, remember
0: when she, she fucking cut her head off? She <laughs> cut her head off. That was fucked up, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, listen, I, I love this conversation that we had about the movie. Like again, I, even when we start, I was like, I didn't want to just go scene by scene because i yeah. can't imagine anyone listening to this no because there's there's so many
1: there's there's so much in the performances mm-hmm. that like has to be seen yeah to exactly really like gather everything up take what? the whole movie in is is all in the performance
0: much like an episode of nathan for you it has to be experienced. it can't just be explained yes. you know, it has to be experienced <laughs> uh but wes i definitely think we're gonna we're uh, i mean halloween's almost over but dave and i we're gonna
2: we gotta do more movie reviews we're doing more movie yeah reviews, man let's do more movie I reviews definitely yeah. think we need to bring I'd love
0: to do it. we need to bring your better half on um ashley of course not cash uh yeah yeah <laughs> to, to talk about midsummer because that all that's also Ugh. one that like
1: oh i think that'd be great especially to get i get a woman's perspective on yeah. that movie
0: exactly yeah i the story i'll i'll give a little teaser uh the first time i saw midsummer i i went over to a uh, to a girl's house uh, we'll call we'll call her we'll call her lucy also that's just my name for all lucy women too. lucy too so i go over to her house and um before the movie starts uh we start fooling around a bit um mm-hmm. after after we're finished after we're done we sit there and we watch midsummer <laughs> movie's done and i'm just like Mind you, this is my first time watching the movie. And I'm like, man, that was fucked up. And she turns to me. She goes, I dropped acid right before we started fucking. She goes, No. She goes, So the sex was amazing. She goes, And this movie is so fucked up. I only watch it when I'm on acid. Because she'd seen it so many times before. And again, I've never done drugs. But part of me was like, I kind of wish I would, like, i should have dropped some acid dude yeah maybe that's experience an this. movie yeah. like, because there's so many there's visceral parts of that movie where you yourself are like oh yeah like this is making me uncomfortable like um yeah. but wes uh where can people find you i mean you've you've been on yeah, before but where, so, where can people find you
3: um
1: so uh our podcast uh our fam uh, it's our family's podcast uh, it's called "Why Did We Ever Meet." Uh, we're on the Jabroni U Network. Uh, new episodes every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Uh, you can find you can find us on Instagram, and that's where I usually send people for the podcast. Is go to "Why Did We Ever Meet" on Instagram. We post all kinds of shit. Like right now, we're doing the 31 Days of Horror, so that's you know that's ongoing. We also do uh, these ridiculous taste test videos where we buy shitty <laughs> junk food and try it and it's usually crap <laughs> that ashley and i don't touch afterwards uh but you know cash will eat it because he's basically a human possum and um uh yeah that's that's the best place to find us but uh all everybody you know anybody from the the pwt cast world please check out our show uh why did we ever meet and you can hear my family talk shit to each other and you can hear my son uh, plays guitars, ukulele, and sing a song every week. And we talk about conspiracies, and uh, we talk about movies, and just nonsense. Just it's just us, just talking shit.
0: Wes, we love having you on, yes. and uh, I love being on,
1: guys. I love it.
0: We're definitely we're definitely gonna bring you back on for that midsummer. So that's a uh, that's a teaser for that because
1: yes, yeah, we'll get we'll get Ashley in there with you guys, and she can uh, she can mix it up on midsummer because she'll she's uh, her perspective on it is. Very unique.
0: Awesome. Sounds good, Wes. Well, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later, Ben.
1: All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks.